need to be able to walk away from, from negotiation to, the, to even to sell it. And that's not 80% of the time, that's 100% of the time. Right. Hi everyone, it's Tom Panos here. I've got with me Nick Heaton. He is one of the superstars of CBRE. Superstars. Mate, how are you? Listing appointments, that's good. Mate, yeah. Well, you've earned the right. You're talking about a guy here who's got a run rate on track to do 2 million last calendar year. What did you do? 1.4. How many years have you been in real estate, Nick? Uh, Eight years. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, what what do you actually sell? What do you sell? You sell... So commercial buildings yep. and development sites. You know, just for the audience, most of my audience are residential agents, yep. right? And I just want to, you know, get talking with these guys here um, about what you do and how you do it. The first thing is, um, how old are you now? Thirty-one. Okay, what did you do before real estate? Went straight into real estate, studied, and then went straight into property. Okay. Um, did you do uni? Or? Yep, uni. I went to TAFE, yeah. um, did valuation, then did a master's in property development. Okay. Now, um, average price that you're doing? It's changing dramatically. Last year was about 10 mil. Yeah. I'd say this year is probably pushing up towards 25 to 30. Okay. So there's a big shift in what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's resulting in the higher price point. Okay. All, you, you were sort of languishing for a few years. Yep. And then all of a sudden, two yeah. years ago... It was like a flick of the switch. That's 100% right. So it was, I look at my career as life pre-training, sales training and post-sales training. Um, I got put on to you and, and some other sales trainers um, through a guy I used to work with. Um, and from that day forward, everything changed. So um, pre then, I was probably a four or $500,000 fee rider. I had a real focus on income, um, uh, chasing the fees, um, probably reactive business, working nine to five. Um, now my business is very much a, an attraction business, um, which it, it's conveniently named that way and you name it that way. But yeah. what it is is um, perfect day, perfect week, perfect campaign, over-servicing your client um, and getting business through that client. So um, what I find is a third-party referral is far better than 100 canvas calls. Yeah. So what my focus is on is over-servicing my vendor, and that's the best way to get listings. Okay, so the best form of prospecting is creating raving fans of current clients. That's right. Um, How do you make a client a raving fan? Uh, It it comes down to establishing you know where you add value, right? And in my way, in my way of adding value, you know, uh, you know, running a perfect campaign, making sure the communication is you know first class. Um, you know, my working hours are seven a.m. to seven p.m. Is that what you work? Is it every day? Yeah. Um, if I was being honest with myself, I'm probably in most mornings about six thirty, and and within that perfect day, I've got my vendor communication from six thirty to seven thirty in the morning. I've got new business from seven thirty to nine thirty. Um, from 10.30 onwards, it's campaign management, inspections, uh, meeting with buyers, meeting with vendors, and then I go new business in the afternoon, and then after hours, I start back on... Um, so we're talking, about, we're talking about pretty structured days and weeks here, I mean... It's, it's very structured, and, and my vendors will hear from me... F- they'll be the first person they hear from in the morning, and the last person they hear from in the night, seven days a week. So you talk to your vendors every day? Twice a day. Two times a day. Yeah. You and, speak and to a vendor morning and night. Morning and night, and there's probably a text message and email in, in the middle of the day. It, it's it, it's uh, it's an art to do it in a non-intrusive way, 
and you've got to make sure that you're adding value at every time you're touching them. Yeah. Um, but what I find is you, uh, you're over-servicing your client. What we are as a service provider, I think sometimes we get caught up in our own, our own ego. Yeah. And we, you, know, you need to give the vendors as much information as possible so they can make an educated decision at the campaign. Yeah. And the biggest change from pre-training to, to post-training is the way I, I suppose I close a vendor is no longer a hard discussion. It's quite an easy conversation. Um, when you're servicing a client like that and, you've, and you're following your structure and, and rituals every day and every week and perfect, perfect campaign, it's as simple as asking the question. You know, Mr Vendor, we've, we've had 50 inquiries, 20 inspections, we've gone to Singapore, Hong Kong, Asia, we've got buyers from WA and Queensland, the majority of the market's at 10 million, we've got one guy sticking his head out at 11, yeah. I know you wanted 12 beforehand, and, and I think we've done everything in our power to get that 12, do we want to meet the market? So you're saying it's a very, very simple. Well, it's only it's only simple if you've made it simple over the over the the, the five weeks or whatever, because you've been talking seven days a week, two times a day, plus SMSs, plus emails. Yeah, that's Um, right. And 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 what a vendor really wants, forget price. I think again, pre-training, post-training, I was focused on price. I want to set records and all that type of stuff. But what a vendor really wants is certainty of completion and not undersell their property. <clears throat> so if you can do those two things, the price will Well, certainty of completion is what? Getting it sold? Getting the property sold. And, and getting the maximum result. And getting the maximum result. And, and if at the end of the campaign you go missing for three days or you missed an inspection or, um, you know, the, the vendor's got a perception of you that maybe you didn't push it to every buyer, then if I was in those shoes, if it's my apartment or my house, and I believe that the, the agent hasn't put it to every single person, I'm going to be questioning if it's the best Okay, so, that, so, so he's, this, this is gold because what you're saying is the perception the vendor has will highly influence whether they listen and follow the advice that you give them because yeah. if you're talking to them and they think, hang on a second, I just actually think that maybe that there's one other person on this planet that's right. that actually might have paid an extra few dollars, mm-hmm. that's where there's no trust in the relationship. That's right, and, and what happens from having a relationship with a vendor where you do one deal, I think maybe there's a bit of a difference between residential and commercial because we probably service 20 really core clients and then you've got peripheral clients and then soft clients or whatever it is. Um, But once you do one really good deal for them, you give them really strong advice, run a perfect campaign and get the result that they wanted, they tell 10 people, right. the solicitor tells someone, their accountant tells someone, and they, you know, they're at a dinner party with their peers, and then business just starts to come. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick, I want to talk to you about negotiation. Mm-hmm. Are you a good negotiator? I believe I am, yes. What makes a good negotiator? Um, it's not luck. Um, I think um, you really need to, going back to training, you need to work on your training and work on you know, where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are. Yeah. But the three things that make a good negotiator, in my view, is listening. Yeah. So you've got to really hear and listen to what your buyer yeah. and your vendor want. And again, coming back to what I said before, it's not always about price, and more often than not, it's not. Right. Um, and then... Um, uh, the two other things that, that are important in my view is um, being a detached negotiator. They're your words. Right. Um, but what, what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you're thinking about your commission check or you've got a fear of losing the deal, then you're not going to do the deal. Right. I think you need to be able to walk away from, from negotiation to, the, to, even, to sell it. And that's not 80% of the time, that's 100% of the time. Right. And, um, you know, asking the hard questions, being direct, being equipped with your comparable sales listening to what they want and then and then taking them on the journey and the final thing which is it which is probably the most important thing is timing 
And right. what I mean by timing is, coming back to what we were saying before about you know people, old agents talk about hard closing and things like that. For the best offers on on the table in the first week, that that can be quite challenging to, to, to get a deal done. So it's something where you've got to educate the purchaser and also the vendor that you know the market's at one position and the deal's probably going to happen in two weeks' time. And the, and you've got to ask that closing question or the, ask the, for permission to sell the property at the right time. Right. Okay. Talk a little bit about motivation and sales slumps and staying pumped. Yep. How do you stay pumped? Like you keep making this reference to. Pre-training, post-training, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, post-training, post are you more motivated? Um, it, it, it maybe comes across more motivated, and, and I am very motivated, but, but having daily rituals, um, having goals that I'm always thinking about, it, it just, you, you come across as more motivated, but it becomes simpler. Because, you know, you know at 7.30 in the morning you've got to do X, and at 9.30 you've got to do Y, and... and if you believe in your processes, yeah. you're always in, in a positive uh, yeah. mindset. Yeah. You believe you're adding value. Your vendors can read it. Um, and, and, um, and, and in my view, the way to get out of a slump is to not get into a slump. Right. And when you're a younger agent or a newer agent, you, you're, you either focus on selling or then you're focusing on listing. Right. So in order to keep motivated and not go into a slump, which is to, to st avoid getting out of a slump or having to get out of a slump, is to be listing and selling every single day. Right. So my daily ritual is, you know, as you saw before, there's four segments and half of them are listing and half of them are selling. Right. So you shouldn't fall into the slump in the first place. Okay. Um, Nick, eight years in the business, mm -hmm. I want to ask you, if, you, if Nick Heaton was starting work today day one in real estate, mm. what are the three biggest tips that you'd give? What are your three biggest learnings you've had to date in sure. your real estate life? Well, it's, it comes back to pre and post life of training. I wish yeah. in day one I started doing sales training. Right. And it should be proportionate to your experience. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if I was to start again, I'd be training an hour a day, right. minimum. Right. Um, and really focusing on daily rituals and working on a perfect campaign. Um, the other thing I would work on is uh, having a hard, honest conversation with myself daily, right. which I do now, yeah. um, about how am I genuinely adding value. Um, right. And at the start, when you uh, to add value, you might find it's hard to do, yeah. but what I would suggest is um, you, know, you team up with a more experienced agent, you learn off them, you help them with their prospecting, and what you're doing is you're kind of shadowing them and learning from their experience. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's the, they're the two or three things I would do. Okay. Uh, Nick, I want to thank you so much for coming in today and having this conversation with us. Yep. I think um, in summary, I think what we're talking about is a guy that's made the transformation of being an untrained agent to a trained agent. I've always said it, you uh, sweat in training so you don't bleed in battle. And I think what actually happens is training is what gets you sharp and gets you real estate fit. I think you heard some very valid points about adding value. People pay you money not to just get the job done. People pay you money for you to actually bring value to the transaction. Yeah, that's right. And if you're adding value, you vendors can hear in the tone of your voice, your body posture, the way you come across. If you're genuinely adding value, you've got your perfect day, you've got your perfect week, and you believe that you're the best agent for the job, yeah. there's no objection you can't overcome. Beautiful. So, you know, sales, you know, again, go pre-training, pre, um, pre I was always the agent complaining that the other agent got it because they, they cut their fees or the marketing costs were lower or they paid for marketing costs. But if you're actually 
um, providing value, you can overcome any of those objections. Anyway. Beautiful. You're talking about a $2 million man, hopefully for 2015. Nick Eden, thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Soon. Awesome. Bye.